All right, hey everybody. Sorry about that. Uh, realized last moment. I probably should uh, record this as audio and and get it uh, put up as well. So it's a topic Tuesday for Georgia Institute of EMS, and I would like to talk about refusals because I think that uh, we don't spend a lot enough we don't spend enough time really talking about it in class, and we definitely don't spend enough time documenting in class, documenting anything in class, and so. Uh, I just wanted to, to hit it up here because I remember coming up through the field. I definitely remember coming up and having um, refusals just be a piece of paper. And my nose is itchy today. I'm sorry, uh, but having it just be a piece of paper. And man, we would go in. We would go in, and I, I was kind of when I say trained. I mean, you know, by the the people around me following suit, those kind of things. I was somewhat trained to go in. To basically treat a home, if you will, not treat a home. It's it's to go in and say, "Hey, I'm bringing in maybe a jump bag and my clipboard, but not the stretcher, right?" And, and there were definitely times when we depended on what the nature of the call was that we were looking to get a refusal, and that's really kind of a bad mentality. So I'm going to start there with that with the topic of refusals. Is first off, you need to be going into the scene expecting to transport the patient but because the the not because it's going to pay your company anything and that kind of thing whereas there's definitely some companies that that want you to do it because of pay it's because that's the safest thing they call 911 and they they look let me just get real i'm not giving you the overview of the whole medical higher than thou reasonings of why you should transport somebody I'm going to tell you for your purposes, it is so much easier on you and and your legality and your paperwork and just your day. If you just go in with the stretcher and say, come on, let's go to the hospital. What hospital would you like to go to? Stop spending so much time on scene. Stop, uh, you know, goofing around and like, well, you know, let's talk them into refusal, those kind of things. And I have definitely, I have definitely worked with medics who talk people into refusals and they'll spend more time talking a patient into a refusal than, than taking them to the hospital when the hospital is just around the corner. And I don't know, I haven't been on the truck 911 in a while and definitely you're not like downtown Atlanta. So there's definitely different vibes and different thought processes throughout Georgia. When you get into the rural areas, the suburb areas, and then the urban areas in the urban areas, that's where I was taught. Hey, let's just take the stretcher in. Let's go. What hospital would you like to go to? Let's go on and move it through. And that protects you, right? If you transport the patient, that protects you more than getting a refusal. It's just easier. Is you spend less time on scene, you take it to the hospital, less paperwork, and then you're off to do another call or to get your lunch or to, to wait in your truck, whatever it is that you're you're going to be doing next. So that's that's where that comes in. Most of my refusal experience was in Rockdale County and Morgan County. And, of course, if you track those counties, you know that's national EMS. And I, I am not saying at any point in time national EMS taught me to do this. I was saying I learned habits and developed habits while I worked there. But I know there's definitely people I worked with who talked to people in their refusals, didn't want to take people to the hospital, I know that I spent time arguing with people uh, who wanted to go to Athens for no reason. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, a little side story here. This one pissed me off. It's because there was a period of time in Morgan County where nobody wanted to work. We kind of had bad attitudes as paramedics, and we didn't really want to run calls. The hospital. I mean, I don't know. It's just one of those times in society, in history. And I don't mean big long-term history. I just mean periods of time, right? Things happen in your industry where just attitudes prevail for no apparent reason. You know, there wasn't one direct cause that said, oh, this is why people are acting this way or thinking this way. And, um, man, it, it comes down to, uh, I got to make sure this message is in for the video. Sorry. Nope, it's not. Okay. Um, so there's just this negative attitude prevailing in Morgan County for a while where the firefighters didn't really want to run calls. The paramedics didn't really want to run the medics, you know, us and the EMTs didn't really want to run calls. Uh, the hospital, the doctors there didn't want to deal with anything. They didn't like us bringing anything into the hospital. The nurses were just kind of bleh. It was just kind of this, I mean, it wasn't an everyday, every minute thing, but it's just prevailing negativity going on. And this one night, it was like Super Bowl Sunday or something because it was, it was, this house was having this big party and this, this mom was like, you know, calling us for her daughter had a fever of 101. I went, okay, that's like a standard kid fever. Sure. What else? Uh, and we go in and I mean, like I said, there's like the Super Bowl party going on. Tons of people around noise. Yeah. You know, game stuff going on. And her daughter's sleeping on the couch. And we take our thermometer. We ask her, have you given her any Motrin, any Tylenol? No. No, I haven't. By the way, we walked past like 50 cars to, to go in to take her to go see what's going on with this patient. And she's like, no, um, uh, you know, I haven't given her anything. And she's sleeping. She's sleeping fine. Like, well, one, and I'm trying to educate. I'm trying to be nice. I'm actually trying to educate this patient, even though I did have a negative attitude walking in. When I saw the cars, I'm like, this is BS, man. Walking past car, you can just drive your kid to the hospital and really, you don't need to go to the hospital. You need to treat your kid. So I had this negative attitude walking in. And I go in and I said, okay, I don't know how it came off. In my head, I'm trying to be educational and nice. I probably was more in an asshole than anything. But I told her, I was like, first off, you need to make sure your daughter's getting Tylenol Motrin every two hours until the fever breaks. And I checked her temperature, and it was like 101. It was a low-grade fever for a kid. It's not a high fever. So I was like, okay, you know, let's, we can give her some, you need to give her some Tylenol and um you know and she had some in the house like you just make sure you give her some Tylenol and let her sleep she's sleeping we had to wake her up to take her temperature she's sleeping that's what you do when you're sick and our other our other truck is is gone they're out of the county so I'm like I'm this is not I want to go to Athens now I, her doctor's in Athens like well it's 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday night her doctor is not going to see her number one period for any reason they're not even going to call them for this to consult they're going to give her some Tylenol and send you home Two, this the other truck is out of the county on an emergency call they had an emergency call went up to somewhere in Atlanta and so I was like I'm not leaving the county for a, a kid fever and I, I tried to talk into her I did try to talk her into a refusal and she just wasn't having it I said okay I can take you to the local hospital that's it and finally she's like fine you know, go to the local hospital or maybe, maybe she refused and then later called back in like 30 minutes, still wanting to go. 
I think that's what happened. She got the refusal the first time, and and then she still called back. And I pull, we pull up, and they're in the driveway at the end of the, all the cars, having drugged this little girl out who's sick. I mean, she's not low sick or anything, but she's sick. She needs needs a rest. And hey, Sherry, how's it going? And so uh, I'm talking about uh, refusals today. Talking about getting refusals, the topic of, of refusals. And so I got the refusal, and I'm sure I documented some crap that wasn't protecting me at all and wasn't accurate to the situation. And because refusals are supposed to be for people who truly don't want to go. They're just worried about their health. I have a little side note on this own sto- side note story. <laughs> I have had patients who just weren't sure. They just wanted to be checked out and seen, is everything okay? And once we check them out and give them all the information, and go, okay, I think I'd rather stay home. It's kind of what a refusal is for. Right. So I, I believe I taught this woman into refusal and then maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, I get called back to her house. They're standing at the end of the driveway with a suitcase and a little girl. And I went, look, I'm still not taking you to Athens. We're not. And that's, I think that's fair because the other truck was out of the County. This girl didn't need to go to Athens. Nobody was riding with her. The mom wanted to ride with us. That means there's no way to get back home. And, you know, you're not, you're not bothering somebody to take you to the hospital, but you're going to bother them three hours from now when they're drunk and the game's over to come pick you up in Athens. You're not thinking this through. You're pissing me off. And I think she was ignorant a little bit and she was a little just selfish and rude, but so was I. Uh, so I, I, we pull us, I'm not taking to Athens. We're going to take you to the local hospital because she just has a low fever. All they have to do is give her some Tylenol and most that's all you have to do and she'll be fine. Well, like I said, there was this negative energy throughout the county. Nobody wanted to work. And the doctor on that Sunday night was pissed off that they had to be working instead of watching the football game. So we take her to the hospital and the doctor didn't want her. And she goes in saying, I wanted to go to Athens. So guess what asshole did? He made a transfer to Athens. And like, well, no, she tested low on this and tested low on that. She needs some fluids. I'm like, you have fluids here at the hospital and our general rule in morgan county was if you bring it in it it transfers out you take it out so sure enough i had to take her happy little ass up to athens uh, a few hours later they did nothing for this girl gave her like one dose of tylenol her fever broke but they're still transferring her i was so pissed off i was so pissed off because it was so stupid and here's the thing I, 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 with your memory being what it is, right? I can tell you the story. Is that hundred percent factual? Probably not. You know, there's probably different perspectives that I'm missing. There's probably, uh, uh different procedures that I'm missing that I could have, have done with this patient to do more for her or to educate the parent more or something like that. But I still ended up doing what she wanted me to do. And I drug out for hours and I had to do it roughly like one in the morning and I was pissed. And I basically let this mom know, yeah, that I'm pissed. I'm like, you're, st- I didn't say this, but every tone of my voice, every look that I gave her was, you're stupid and you're just abusing us. And maybe she was. Maybe I was just a grumpy ass. I don't know. But the point is, I got a refusal. It didn't matter. And then that doctor screwed me over too, intentionally. I mean, the doctor was pissed off that we brought her there. And I'm like, well, I mean, they, they, she came in saying that. And before we were done with the paper, why didn't you take her to Athens? One, it's a fever. Two, it's because the other truck's out of the county, and it's a fever. You can deal with this. And then they're they're like, "Mm mm-hmm, we'll see about that. Yeah. So refusals. 
it is much better if you go in looking to transport a patient. Now, when you're in a rural county like Morgan County and you can be going up to Athens or over to Conyers, which is all at that point, you know, either way is about 30 minutes, give or take, um, in either direction to take them to a hospital. Yet Newton, now it's Newton Piedmont, right? 20 minutes away. But you have hospitals that are bigger going out. A lot of people at that time did not like the hospital. Morgan Memorial was a crap hole of a hospital. It, was, it just was. Now, I mean, they built a whole new facility. I haven't been in it yet, you know, because of COVID and stuff. But um, now it's a really nice facility. It's a much bigger hospital. It's 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 got this air of, of man, you want to go here and be taken care of. But before, the citizens did not like it. We really, you know, they were okay. They were okay. They handled a decent amount of calls, uh, but we didn't really like it. If we had to run a code, we'd go there and keep running the code in the ER until they found, you know, until they either called the death or finally stabilized the patient with a few little extra things that they could do. It was a mess. It was a bad time to be in the county then. Uh, <laughs> emergency medicine. Um, but refuse. Yeah. So there was attitudes like that. There's attitudes of, you know, shift changes in 20 minutes and we really don't want to deal with this call. So we're going to talk into a refusal or push you in certain ways. But the reality is refusals are very dangerous. They're very dangerous. And it doesn't matter that you get the patient to sign your refusal. A signature is not a bulletproof vest. Okay. You know, a patient can be, a patient can sign under duress. A patient can be uneducated. And that's the thing with refusals. They needs to be an educated consent, informed consent, right? Because consent and refusal go hand in hand. They need to understand what is going on with them. A refusal really should be the patient does not want to go. And typically, it, a refusal happens in one or two generic scenarios. One scenario is that they really don't need to go. It is a fender bender, a, a bystander called 911. We get out there and everybody's like, nope, I'm fine. Please do not touch me. The other car's like, nope, I'm fine. Please do not touch me. We didn't call either. Everybody's fine. And depending on your scenario and the place you work for, that might be no patients on scene. It might be okay. You can at least check you out, make sure you're okay. And they say yes or no. And they, they sign a refusal and you still have to do all the paperwork on that. Right. You still have to sit there on scene and do all the paperwork, but that's the one thing where they really just, nobody needs to go. There was nothing going on here. Somebody jumped the gun and called nine one one. All right. That's, that's one, one thing that can happen. The other thing that can happen is you go to the call and you really want the patient to go and they just don't want to go to the hospital and they're of their right mind. They're fully informed on the situation. And that's, that's the key. And I'm talking to, I'm talking to citizens who have medics come into their house and you need to be educated on what refusals are and what consent is. And I'm talking to new EMTs and maybe some who never really got covered on this because i know there's a lot of medics and i'm well i'm waiting for you to blast me here in the the chat you can go ahead and do it we'll argue about it all day long but i know there's some old school medics who just think i'm wrong who think i'm full of crap and that's just not the way it works in the real life in the street and you're sitting in your studio and and you know doing this and you don't you don't work the streets so i'm telling you i have worked the streets for 20 freaking years i have i've been out there quite recently and I, I, it doesn't change anything so refusals are for people who don't really want to go, but need to go AMA against medical advice. 
And here's how that should go. You come into the house as the medic, bringing the stretcher with you, ready to take somebody to the hospital. And I'm going to use this call that I use to teach. Uh, I, I use it to teach refusals all the time. But back when I was on the 911 truck in Conyers, I had called to this 18-year-old's house, 19, 18, 19 years old, uh, for heart problems. I'm like, well, that's interesting. 19-year-olds don't have heart problems typically. So this this could be an overdose. This could be anxiety, uh, too much Red Bull. This could be all kind of stuff. Well, we get there, and the parents, she lives with her parents, and her parents meet us at the door and walk us in. And she's laying on the couch, and like, look, you know, she's got congenital something. There's some kind of disease that she's had for her heart for a few years, for a little while, and it's terminal. And they don't know how long she's supposed to be able to live, or maybe they do. I don't remember that part of the story. But it wasn't like tomorrow terminal. It was you're just not going to live an active life. Uh, everything's going to slow you down, and you could die in the next year or two type of deal. And she's been dealing with it for a while. And she's 18, 19 years old, somewhere in there. And, you know, she's on the cast and like, she's been really depressed lately, saying that she doesn't want to live anymore, that she does, she's refusing to go to the doctor's office. Uh, she seems to be getting sicker. We really are concerned. I'm like, okay, I hear you. And I'm on board. I'm like, I get you. And again, I'm talking to her and I hook her up to the monitor. Of course, we're getting all the vital signs and all the vital signs are slightly off. Everything slight is off somehow. But the one I remember the most is the heart monitor. The heart monitor had a rhythm on it that I cannot classify. I mean, there was a P wave and it looked weird and it was slightly delayed. QRS was all kind of bunged up and the T wave was delayed and weird. It was like, okay, they're and, and bigger. I'm like, this is, this is, I, I, and this is before we had internet in our pockets, right? I couldn't just whip out my phone and look up the name of her disease and get educated real quick on the house of what it means basically as a medic. So it's some name of disease I never heard of, and it had to do with her heart. That's all I knew. And I'm like, yeah, your blood pressure's a little low. Your heart rate's not right. It's irregular. And I really think you need to go to the hospital. She goes, I don't care. I'm done. I'm done with doctors. I'm done with needles. I'm done with everything. And I empathized with her, right? She's 18, 19 years old. Supposed to be you have your whole life ahead of you, and she's got no life ahead of her. In fact, for the last year or two or more, because I don't remember, she had been dealing with this kind of crap and she just had no more hope and she was depressed and there's a huge difference. And I want to kill myself, which is a legal thing that if you say in front of me, I have to call the cops and one way or the other, you're going to the hospital, either with me or the police. If you say you want to kill yourself, that's self harm. I can't leave you here, but I'm okay to die is a whole different phrase, especially when you have long-term chronic illnesses and terminal illnesses. And she was saying that I I'm okay to die phrases basically. And I'm trying to do everything to talk her into going. And I mean, I spent an extraordinary amount of time, like 30, 40 minutes on the scene, just talking to her, trying to get her to go to the hospital, called medical control as you should. See, here's, that's the other thing about refusals. You need to call medical control for a refusal. Well, that's, I, I can handle it. I'm a medic. I can handle it. I, I'm an EMT. I can, why would you want that responsibility on your own shoulders? Why would you want to go to court for these parents suing you because their daughter died and you never called medical control and put it on somebody else? Why would you want that? 
you always need to call medical control because it's AMA against medical advice. So I ended up calling medical control on, I used the house phone there and they let me and say, okay, you know, would you talk to this doctor? If you talk to this doctor, I will leave you alone and we will leave if you, you still don't want to go. So she agreed to do that. And she talked to the doctor, said the same thing the doctor said to me. And the doctor asked all the same questions I asked. Well, maybe, you know, not the same, but, you know, she they, we got that she's alert and oriented times for fully informed of death and, and what can happen to her and quite and, and fully consentable. She can consent or deny. 100% autonomous. And so the doctor said, nope, I, there's nothing we can do. She can refuse. And we're okay. I'll come by later and get your signature. And we hung up the phone. And, I, and the parents were, were were understandably upset. They were really upset. And in front of the patient, I said, look, I get that. I'm with you. I think she needs to go to the hospital. I have no idea when she could die or not die. Because this is a really messed up heart rhythm, and it's not right, and I think things are dropping. She is 18 years old. It makes her an adult. However, did she, did she, I'm sorry, let me, how did I phrase it? Did you, the parents, get the medical durable power of attorney? Are you able to make decisions for her medically? And they went, well, no. It's like, well, then she's an adult. She's on her own. She fully understands and demonstrates that she understands everything. And there's nothing I can do. And that's when you get the refusal. And I documented and documented and documented. She was fully informed. I mean, I came at her from every angle, making sure she understood the ramifications of her decision. And, and on top of that, make sure that she understood she can change her mind at any time and call 911 and call us back to that house. And I fully thought we'd be called back for a code later on that evening. I don't know what happened. It didn't happen. Nothing happened in the rest of that shift for her house. I don't know if her parents finally got her to go. I don't know. If she coded the next day or two. I, I don't know what happened after that, but that's what her refusal is. Now, as a citizen, what you need to understand is when you go to a doctor's office, consent doctor's offices, paramedics, firefighters, anybody that comes in consent goes into refusals. Now refusals again are the most dangerous of legal documents. I think that we do. Because too many people are lax about it. I mean, you have to really detail. I educated the patient on bullet point this, bullet point this, bullet point this. These things that I found that I think are important that they need to go to the hospital. Now, again, if it's that scene of a fender bender and nobody called, either you can do a no patient there or they, they did have some minor scratches and abrasions, seatbelt abrasions. No, I don't want to go to the hospital. Okay, we did a full exam we found zero issues with anything other than some abrasions on the chest from the seatbelt or on the shoulder from the seatbelt patient was offered to go to the hospital patient was advised they need to be checked out just in case there could be other things going on that we don't see and patient you know you gotta you gotta fill out your refusal form right on that's something like this patient the girl with the cardiac problems it, it was just bullet point bullet point bullet point bullet point of all these things that i, I educated her on but consent, we are a society taught, hello, April, uh, we're a society that's taught that we just do what doctors want. We just do what medics want. We, we, we don't know. We just call 911 and they come and do everything. Or we go to the doctor for a checkup and we just do everything. No, that is not how that works. 
at all as EMTs and medics, there is a there is a unspoken consent. Not not uh, uh, there's informed. There's there's expressed uh, implied. Not implied consent. I'm not talking about implied consent where they're unconscious, unresponsive, or that they they you know are minor or they just cannot consent for themselves. I'm talking about we go into a a, a person's home that's called nine one one who's having stomach issues, and we walk in as partners. And one partner starts saying, "Hey, Mrs. Smith, what's you know what's going on today? What'd you call us for? How can we help you?" And Mrs. Smith starts talking about her stomach issues, and the other partner kneels down and starts taking vital signs. You know, puts on the blood pressure cuff. Start checking a pulse, and Ms. Smith sticks out her arm because she's used to that. So that's that's an unspoken consent. We do this all the time, right? We put our hands on patients without saying, "Hey, I'm going to check your blood pressure. Can I get some vital signs on you? Can I put my hands on you?" Because technically, we're supposed to ask to put our hands on anybody, otherwise, it's battery. But yes, no, I'm with you 100. Reality is there's a flow that is okay, and I'm thinking specifically of, of an elderly lady I ran on who has stomach issues and she called us and we knocked on the door and she told us to come on in and we said that, hey, you know, we're EMTs, we're here to help. And I went in and got the vital signs. And as I went in, she gave me her arm knowing exactly what I was going to do. She was used to it. So that's kind of that unspoken consent. She, she was absolutely saying yes without expressing yes. Right. And I didn't say, can I do vital signs? Although you should, you say, you should say, Hey, I'm Charles. I'm the EMT. I'm going to get some vital signs if that's okay. Just it's polite. It's easy. It's communication. Always be communicating. Always be throwing words at people. Good words, though, that they understand. No, don't overload them. So uh, uh, we do that. But as patients, you get to pick and choose what you do and don't want to have happen to you, no matter what. And doctors can be bullies. Not all doctors. That's not an overclassification of all doctors. If a doctor hears this, you know, you might be one of the great ones. But you know you work with some assholes. And you know you work with some some bullies who just, if you're not going to do it my way, get out of my office. You know you do. Because I know I do with paramedics. I know there are tons of medics. If you ever watch Bringing Out the Dead, that is a great movie on the stereotypes of the medics. And there's this burnout who likes to torture patients. Not like, like horror movie torture, but stick large bore IVs in them when they don't need it. Uh, give, give, uh, drug addicts hell because they're drug addicts. You know, they're, we, we work with all kinds of assholes and I've been the asshole. So, you know, I can, I can say it is my people. I can use that word if I want to, <laughs> but there, there are bullies. And, um, the last story I'm going to give on this topic about consent, cause it goes hands to hands with refusals. They have to consent to everything. You get to pick and choose what you're doing and if somebody won't tell you what they're doing that's against medical law i mean it, it, it's it, well it's against the law if they say well i don't have to tell you anything i'm just going to do this that's battery if they if you stop them that's still assault they're threatening to put their hands on you and if it's a needle or anything else they're basically threatening violence so there are criminal charges that can be brought um nurses can be the worst too and this one was a midwife, I believe is who I'm thinking of. And we're having my third kid. And at the time, um, I had no insurance and I wanted to pay cash. And I was doing pretty well for myself as far as, as income goes. 
and had money put away. And and the second we found out we're we'd already been saving money anyway, but the second we found out we're pregnant with my third child, we're like, okay, we're gonna really make sure we get we take care of this ourselves. We're gonna go and pay cash. We're gonna go and tell them up front we're paying cash and that we really want to do everything and pick and choose what gets to happen. And there's this midwife that we ultimately, I think, uh, I don't think it was us alone. I'm pretty sure this midwife was just a horrible person and had lots and lots of complaints, but I'm a communicator by by, by my living. And I'm also a trained medical professional. So those two things did not do well for her. So we go in and we're paying cash and we'd had two kids before. That's why it's the third kid, right? And the first kid, you just don't know, right? You go in and let the doctor do whatever they want. And, and then you start doing your research. Do your research. Have them explain to you your rights. Have them explain to you what's going on. And if somebody just tells you, blows you off, or says, oh, no, you have to have this, screw them. You don't have to have crap. You can say no to everything in medicine. Everything. Um, there was actually a really great episode of, of The Good Doctor I watched the other day. I think it's in season two. That... Uh, uh, a woman was an opioid addict and didn't want her husband to know she'd been clean for 10 years. I've been with her husband for like eight. Uh, uh, but she, she didn't want any kind of narcotics. She felt like any kind of pain medication would set her off again. And she'd go down that road. She didn't want to. And she had shattered her leg. And so they're trying to figure out how to do surgery without these drugs. And that was a really, really, really great, great example, even though they never quite touched on it, or maybe they did. I, I wasn't fully paying attention. It was a great example of what consent and refusal actually means. She had the full rights to say no drugs in the story period. And you can't tell my husband why. And they had to move around that the whole time. Now they manipulated a little bit and they, they did what they, they could do to try to get the patient to do what they wanted, wanted her to do. But they, they had to do it. And at no point did they try to refuse service and you will have doctors to do that. Then you don't need that doctor. Period. I don't mean an ER doctor, which is also true. I mean your regular doctor. Because I've seen that too many times. Regular doctors come in, don't explain crap, and want to just throw words at you if they do explain it, and just dismiss you and go do this. And no, I want to have a conversation. I want to understand. I had a, a pediatrician who hated humidifiers because, oh, uh, you know, they can get mold in them, then they spread mold all throughout the house, and that's just worse. Well, okay, but that's pretty extreme, Doc. And I've seen humidifiers work for my kids and their breathing problems. So no offense to you, I'm going to do a humidifier for my kids. And we agreed to disagree, and he was cool with that. He was a great pediatrician. Anyway, back to the, the OB. So we go in, we're, and we're telling them ahead of time, we get with the building office, and they're all cool. Okay, we got you. We're marking up your chart. And, and, we're gonna, and they agreed to basically give us Medicaid prices because that's usually the lowest price. And we're paying them directly in cash or, or, you know, car, whatever, paying them directly instead of having the bill insurance, which they kind of like anyway. So we got the lab to explain. There's a, a litany of tests they want to do one day. It's like, could you explain this? We're paying for everything. We want to. And that was the thing, the paying for everything. Yeah, sure. I'm going to get to that. That's a good point. You're, the fact that we're paying for everything was the catalyst for us to learn. But even if you have insurance, you should be pushing everything and saying, stop, explain this to me. Well, your insurance only covers this. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not worried about the money. I need you to explain what the test is and why we're doing it. And they wanted to do uh, some invasive tests on the uterus, right? On on the uh, yeah, on the on the unborn baby. 
Um, and you know, an amniotic fluid thing from Down syndrome. We're like, look, we don't care. One, we've done our research. I know for a fact that test is not all that accurate, and it's dangerous. Anything, anything that's invasive at any time has a higher danger level than the non-invasive stuff, right? So um, the fact that you're sticking a needle into the amniotic sac and pulling out fluid just by the invasiveness of it is dangerous. No, we don't want it done because we don't care if a kid has Down syndrome or not. And honestly, we just know those tests are not very accurate at all. Uh, and there's some other stuff. But this one, so the lab was like, no, we're cool. We're good. We're cool. Yeah. You don't have to have it. If these, you really, and that, the lab tech actually was great. There's like 10 tests. He goes, okay, these four at the top, you really should have them. And here's why. Bam, 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 bam. These others, here's what they do. And you don't really need them unless you want them. And just that this is just a standard. See, that's the thing insurance will pay for stuff and you get into habits Ho uh, hospitals doctor's offices even emts we get in the habits of doing standard things because it's just what we do on every call but you can challenge everything so uh we we picked the four that they suggested because we understood and we agreed okay these are fairly necessary we're going to do these and um uh, and there's one because it was a danger it's one of those that's a danger to the 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 other people and the the other patients in the practice and the i forget what it was but essentially if you don't get this test to show that you're negative you could have something that could endanger the babies we're not going to let that happen so if you don't do this test you can't be here and we got that <clears throat> that was fully fine so same day we'd already had issues with this midwife we already hated her but we're still fairly early into the pregnancy and um we go in and they want to do an ultrasound where they stick the ultrasound up the vaginal canal to do it, which is very uncomfortable, apparently. I can only imagine, obviously. And, you know, my wife had it done on the first kid. I can't remember if she had it done on the second one, but she, but they're, they're, it's always wrong. It doesn't see crap. They're very rough with it. They treat it like a regular ultrasound, which is on the outside. And you can, you know, angle to do all this on the outside. Can you imagine what this is doing on your inside? You're moving around and up and down and in and, and not and not even looking because they're looking at the screen. It's 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 a no. It's a hard no from us. Uh, so we we had to fight this midwife on that one. She goes, "Well, you have to do it." And my wife went, "No, I don't." And I'm standing there going, and I, I was very clear the whole time. I'm an active paramedic in the field. I know medicine. I know HIPAA laws. I know consent and everybody else got that except this dumb person who is a horrible human being. And she got all offended that we weren't going to do it. And at the time, my wife tends to, especially in her first trimester, she tends to get allergies. It just triggers her more uh, for whatever reason. And so she had sinuses and it's hard to sleep. And uh, I know medicine. So I happen to know Tylenol PM is Benadryl and Tylenol. I looked at it. At the time, that's at least what it was. And so <laughs> uh, we're asking her, you know, hey, what can I take? She goes, well, take some, you maybe can take some Tylenol, some Benadryl. So, okay, so Tylenol PM. I mean, she whipped on me like I was like, no, never do that. I mean, okay, I'm exaggerating the voice, right? <laughs> but she flipped on me. He's like, never do that. Da -da -da -da. And, and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, no. You just said take Tylenol and Benadryl. That's what Tylenol PM is. And she just talked to me like I was the dumbest piece of crap. And I went, I, I did the math thing. I went, nope, shut up. You're done. You're done. You will never speak to us again. And we immediately went into, um, we wouldn't leave. We said, no, we will talk to a manager right now. Somebody manages this office. We are pissed. She is gone. She is done. Uh, 
and we were livid and we sat down with them um and, and sat down with the manager and, and laid it all out and and praised the lab tech praised the billing office because you want to lead with that so no we're not just angry and ripping apart your service we came in your front uh, office person was great she understood we're paying cash so she guessed to the right people we went to the billing office they were great they helped lay everything out the lab tech she was great laid everything out everybody's been great except this one person and we've had issues with this person for the last two kids or whatever and we laid it out and they said no you're absolutely right you have the right to refuse anything and i was like no you don't understand she tells you you don't have the right she tells you you have to do it and she gets ugly about it and I was very clear. I didn't hide the fact. I didn't sneak on her that I'm a medic and try to trap her. I've been very clear since I came in. I just always want doctor's offices to know I'm a paramedic because I may say something that throws you off because you expect, especially husbands, right, and expecting fathers, you expect us to be uneducated, which I get. That's typical. I'm just letting you know I work in the field so you can talk a little bit more medically. My wife also works field adjacent, so you can talk a little bit more medically. And if I say something, I didn't want to throw you off, but I'm here to let you do your job. So I was very clear as a paramedic, but when she said you had to, we were like, no, we don't. And we're refusing it. And she tried to force it on us. And then she got pissed off because we didn't do it. And then she tried to punish us. And when she spoke to me the way she spoke to me about Tylenol and Benadryl, like, I don't know crap that we're done. And they go, okay, you'll, you'll never have to deal with her again. And I think like a month later, she was fired. She was gone. And so that's something you need to know about consent, people, is it doesn't matter if it's a doctor. It doesn't matter if it's an office person. You have the right to say yes or no to every medical thing in your body. So wrapping this fully back to refusals and EMTs, when you're in the back of the truck or you're getting a refusal from somebody, just because they say no to one procedure doesn't shut down everything. You have to do everything except the thing they say no to. Okay. So I've been in the back of the truck as a student, wanting to get an IV and they went, no, I don't want an IV. Not just for me, just period. I don't want an IV at all. Okay. All right. Sure. Can I still do some? Yep. You can do everything else. Do some oxygen, do some vital signs. Um, I'll even let you do a blood glucose stick, but I don't want an IV. Okay. You have to respect that. That's what consent is. That's what refusal is. It's so much more to it, but yeah, you need to know these things. And Sherry was saying, you talk about using your words, but sometimes your words can really scare the person that don't know what you're talking about. And that's a very good point, Sherry. And that maybe I'll talk about that tomorrow on EMS Underground. But yeah, w- w- you need to be very, very clear and understanding. It's it's people say it's not what you say is how you say it, which is does have some truth to it for sure. Uh, there's this really bad video. I mean, it's bad because it's mean to the dog, but there's this video I saw on, on the internet somewhere where the guy's like, it's just to prove that dogs don't understand what you're saying. And he's going, he's doing that. Oh, good boy tone. But he's calling him a little, he's calling him a little mean dog and horrible. He's using four letter words and stuff. You know, he's cussing this dog out, but you know, aren't you a good boy tone, right? And the dog's just wagging his tail. Then he's like, I love you. You know, he's doing this angry voice like the dog's bad. But he's talking about how much he loves the dog and how good the dog is. And of course, the dog hunkers down. Well, that there's the truth to that. And you need to meet the patient where they are. So, Sherry, you know what? Tomorrow on EMS Underground, uh, I will talk about using your words better. And we'll do that. But today's Topic Tuesday was on on 
refusals and consent. And I hope you get a little something out of it. If you've got a topic you would like to learn more about, you can be a citizen. You can be somebody just, just out there wanting to know more about medicine and more about what we do on the ambulance. Feel free to ask. You can post questions on facebook.com forward slash Georgia Institute of EMS. And you can also email me directly, charles at G-A-I-E-M-S.com. That's G as in go, A as in Apple, I as in indigo, E as in Edward, M as in Mike, S as in Sam.com. G-A-I-E-M-S.com is where you can reach me. And I should get that put on the screen so it stays up here all the time or something. But yeah, thanks for watching. I hope you got a little bit of education and I'll be back tomorrow with EMS Underground.